Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lifted up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. And if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to Psalm 51. Psalm 51. We are in a brand new Sunday School series, started last week, <coughs> dealing with the way back to God. And remember, as we go through here, we're showing that no matter what you've done, you can get right with God. You can get back into fellowship with God. And that's what God desires. And so last week we took some time to go through the historical events of the context. What happened so bad that David needed to get right with God? What was the things that lined up that, that affected David so much that, that he was miserable and that prompted him to need to get right with God? Well, if you don't mind, let's go back to Psalm 51. Psalm 51. And as we go through this, let's go ahead and what we'll do this time around is that we're going to read all the verses and then just walk through it. So each week we're going to take time to read all of Psalm 51. It's good for us. So notice with me in Psalm 51. Psalm 51 and notice with me in verse number 1. Psalm 51 and verse 1. Have mercy on me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according to the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions, and my sin is ever before me. Against thee, thee only, have I sinned, and done this evil in thy sight, that thou mayest be justified when thou speakest, and be clear when thou judgest. Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, thou desirest truth in the end parts and in the hidden part thou shall make me to know wisdom purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean wash me not wash me and I shall be whiter than snow make me to hear joy and gladness that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice hide my face from my sins and blot out all mine iniquities create in me a clean heart O God and renew a right spirit within me cast me not away from thy presence and take not thy holy spirit from me restore unto me the joy of my salvation and uphold me with thy free spirit then will I teach transgressors thy ways, and sinners shall be converted unto thee. Deliver me from blood guiltness, O God, that God of my salvation, and my tongue shall sing aloud of thy righteousness. O Lord, open thou my lips, and my mouth shall show forth thy praise. For thou desirest not sacrifice, else I would give it. Thou delightest not in burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are of a broken spirit. A broken and contrite heart, O God, thou wilt not despise. Do good in thy good pleasure unto Zion. Build thou the walls of Jerusalem. Then thou shalt be pleased with the sacrifices of the righteousness, with burnt offering and whole burnt offering. Then shall they offer bullocks upon thy altar. And as we come up here, I want you to pay attention to verses 1 and 2. 
where it says, Have mercy on me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according to the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgression. Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. And with this, as we continue to introduce this, we see here the story of my soul. The story of my soul. Now, one of the most amazing personalities of all the word of God would be King David. Now, remember, King David is not a myth. It's not a story. It's not something, a uh, fiction that someone made up. He was a historical figure. He's someone that lived, and he was Israel's greatest king. This is the same David who slew the Goliath with with a stone, with God's help. This is the greatest psalmist of all of Israel. In fact, if you look at the Israeli flag now, in the middle of the Israeli flag, what do they have? The Star of David. Even today, they associate so much with David that the entire nation knows who David is, the nation of Israel. Very few men have ever lived and influenced as many as he did. You know, we all have a story to tell. And as we open up Psalm 51, we could see that David has opened up his heart and he has poured out his soul. When he's opening up the door, you know what he's saying here? I want you to take a glimpse of the worst day of my life, the darkest period of my life. Now think about that. As we go to Psalm 51, most of the time when we sin, we want to keep it hidden, right? If we were to say, let's take a pause, and I want you to tell me about the worst thing you've ever done. We'll have a lot of people who would be quiet and try not to get picked, right? You don't want to tell me the worst thing, and especially publicly. But you know what David did? He got so thoroughly right with God that he's saying, I want to be a help to others. Let me tell you about the darkest day of my life. And thus we have Psalm 51, which is a record of David at his bottom point where he gets right with God after all the things that he's done. The story of his soul. Now, we understand that as he's showing us, he says, I'm taking you inside of the darkest day of my life. I want you to come and I want you to see something I wish to God I had never had taken place. I thought it was secret, but God had recorded it in his eternal word so millions can experience that uh, terrible tragedy. This is the story of my soul as David is saying this. We get a glimpse of what is going on at the darkest place in his life. By the way, that's one of the great things about the word of God is that it doesn't cover something. You know, if man was writing the history of David, they would probably live out, leave out the bad parts, right? Have you ever read a biography and reading the biography, it's the greatest person who ever lived because they never did anything wrong? Well, the Bible doesn't whitewash or sugarcoat anything. It exposes that even the greatest men have awful things that they've done. By the way, there's not a single person in this room that is perfect. Every single one of us have done something that's been wrong. Every single one of us have offended a holy, righteous God. But let me give you hope no matter what you've done, there's always a way back to God. And that's what we see here, that God being honest with us and exposes the greatest leader in all of Israel, King David, and yet God says he messed up, but there was a way to get right. 
With that, let's go ahead and let's examine. The first thing that we see is that our story begins with God. Let's see his Savior. Notice the beginning of Psalm 51 verse 1. Have mercy upon me. Notice this. Oh God. Oh God. You know, it's because of God's mercy that David discovered a way back to God. In his dark hour, he turned away from God. What did he do, by the way, as a recap? Well, he started as a king. And as he was walking on his rounds on top of his roof, he looked down and saw Bathsheba there. Now, there was nothing wrong with what Bathsheba did, that many people had bathtubs on top of their roofs. Remember, they didn't have running water. They didn't have nice warm water. But they lived in the desert. So what you could do is run bath water on the tub on top of the roof and let the warm sun warm it up. Now, because it was up on the roof, most people can't see on top of your roof. And so they were secure. The Meshiba did nothing wrong in this, this specific instance. But David, when he looked down and he saw her bathing, he should have just walked away, but instead he lingered. Then he wanted, inquired, then brought her up, and they committed adultery. When it found out that she was expecting, he said, uh-oh, I'm going to get caught because her husband is off fighting a war for me. He's one of my great men. So he came back and he tried to cover up his sin. He called her husband back from the front lines, Uriah the Hittite, brought him back and said, go spend some time with your wife. I'm giving you a vacation. And he refused to go home. And he said, why should I go home when my general, my soldiers, my men, my brothers, everyone's out in the battlefield fighting. Why should I go home and take a break? I need to be out there with them. So he refused to go home. And David's like, uh-oh, this is not good. I'm going to get caught. So what he did is he wrote Uriah's death sentence. He wrote to uh, his general, Joab. And he said, put Uriah on the front lines. And then when the fighting's hot and heavy, retreat all of his backup. So he's all by himself. And Joab did, the same, did exactly what he, David asked. But the awful thing about this is that Uriah was so trusted that David gave the note to Uriah knowing that Uriah would not open it up. And he carried his own death sentence to Joab. And Uriah died. So not only did David commit adultery, but in order to hide his sin, he committed murder. And he thought he got away with it. But he did not. The Bible says, Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. The Bible says in the book of Amos, be sure your sin will find you out. And he did get found out. God had never lost what was happening. God knew what was happening. It was never a secret. But what happened is that David carried this with him. And he had no one else to blame. He had turned away from God and this terrible secret became part of his life. Now, despite all the terrible things that David did, God was still approachable. We can always go back to him. That's why David is saying, have mercy upon me. And look for 15. It tells a great story of what is called the prodigal son. Remember the prodigal son went up to his dad and said, Dad, I'm tired of farm life. I don't want to live on the farm. It's hard work. I'm done with this. So give me my inheritance now. I don't want to wait till you die. I want what you have for me now. And so 
the father brokenheartedly gave the young man his inheritance. And the young man took his inheritance, went out to the city, and had riotous living. He wasted it. Had big parties, uh, bought all this stuff. And as long as you got money, you got friends. Not true friends, but you got people who are willing to hang around with you. And then what happened? The money ran out. No more friends. He wasted all of his money. He didn't invest it. Didn't have a job. He just blew the money. Now he's no more money. No more friends. No place to live. And he's desperate. He goes works for a hog farmer. By the way he's Hebrew. According to the Hebrew tradition. He cannot touch any pigs. But here he is. He's feeding the pigs. He's taking care of the pigs. He's doing a job that no Hebrew person would do. And he's so hungry, he's looking down at the pigs and saying, they eat better than I do. And he's actually thinking about taking a husk of corn from the pigs and eating it himself. That's pretty low, isn't it? So he finally says, you know, I need to go back to my dad. And I need to go back. And he came up with this big speech and rehearsed it that he should no longer be a son. He'll come and be a servant and that he'd work for that. So he began to come back. Meanwhile, back at the ranch... There's the dad. I could see him on a rocking chair on his front porch every day looking down the road. Every day hoping that today would be the day that the sun came back. Finally, one day, he sees something in the distance. Standing up out of his thing looking. Is that him? I think that's him. It's him! And he sees his son and he doesn't wait for the sun to come to him. He runs to his son! He runs up. And again, the son had a great speech plan. And he comes up. And before he could even say anything, the father grabs him and hugs him. And he says back, and he's, if you understood, he just got through running. Go kill the fatted calf. My son has come home. He's, he's excited. He ran. He didn't wait. He was waiting. And everything was forgiven. That's the unconditional love. The father never stopped loving his son. Was the father broken hearted over the son? Yes. But he never stopped loving the son. And as soon as the son came back, did the father give conditions? No. As soon as the son came to himself and came back to be right, the father was ready to receive him. May I remind you our Heavenly Father is that way even more so. It does not matter what you have done. If you're willing to come back, God will take you. Think about David. He committed adultery and murder. And God took him back. David just had to get to the place where he said, I messed up. I need to get back to God. And God says, I'm here. I'm here. That's the story of David's soul here. Is that he had a great savior. Who was willing to, to forgive him of anything that ever happened in his life. What a great savior that we have. Sometimes people come up and say preacher. You don't understand what I've done. And I will say you're right. I don't understand what you've done. But I know what a savior he is. God is willing to forgive you of everything if you just come to him and say, Father, I need you. Oh, what a great thing. What great unconditional love. 
the moment that we repent and come back to our Savior, He's waiting with open arms and say, I'm ready for you. What a great story. As we come back, not only do we see about His Savior, but we also see His sin. Notice with me in verse number 1 again. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according to the multitude of tender mercies, blot out my transgression. Verse 2, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. Notice what he calls what he did. He called it transgression, iniquity, and sin. He used this to describe his terrible sin. The word transgression carries the idea of trespassing. Like if you've seen a no trespassing sign. A trespass means I crossed the line. I looked at the sign and did it anyways. That's transgression. The idea of iniquity is unholiness. It's failing God. It's... um, it's filthiness. It's seeing where you're supposed, not supposed to go and stepping into it anyways. The word sin means to miss its mark. And so instead of aiming where you're supposed to, you aim somewhere else. And you miss the, what you're supposed to hit. You, you miss it. And so notice what David said. And by the way, this is part of repenting is to actually admit that what you did was sin. You know why a lot of people have a hard time getting right with God? Because they don't want to admit that they sinned. They don't want to admit that they messed up. By the way, that's pride. And by the way, the only one that you're trying to fool is yourself. Because God knows what it is. It's almost like the drunkard who comes to church and and goes up front and talks to the preacher. And the preacher says, can I pray with you? And as they pray, the preacher's saying, God, you know how this drunkard came in uh, inebriated. And the drunkard said, shh. Don't tell God he doesn't need to know that. Well, God already knows. When, some people think that when we confess our sins, we're telling on ourselves. You're not telling on yourselves. Confession means you agree with God. God already knows. The problem is, is the reason why people don't get right is they're not willing to say they were wrong. I messed up. What I did was sin. What I did was transgression. What I did was iniquity. We need to call sin, sin. Until we're willing to face our problem, I use that word problem with air quotes, and say it's not a problem, it's sin. That's when we can get things fixed. But we have to be willing to say we messed up. Again, Part of our problem is that we like to blame everyone else, blame the situation, blame the preacher, blame the co-workers, blame this, and not willing to say, I messed up. I failed. I need help. We always like to blame someone else. And as long as you blame someone else, you're not getting right with God. Because you have to admit that you messed up. Which is one of the hardest things and some of the things because of pride that people are not willing to do. But we're talking about here there is a way back to God. How do we get back to God? God's willing to take us back if and when we admit that we're wrong. That's not too much to ask for. That's all that God asks for is just for us to say I messed up. Humbleness would affect us a long way. Think about your job. 
How much easier would it be instead of trying to explain away what, what happened just to say I messed up and just let it go? So many people like to explain themselves. Why do you need to explain yourself? That's pride. Whenever people go through a long explanation of, to explain why they did something wrong, that's pride. I messed up. I need to get it right. I sin. It is so simple, the only thing that makes it complicated is our awful, nasty, horrible pride that we can't admit to ourselves that we messed up. But this is part of it, is that David called his sin by name. He said it was against God. It was against him. Blot out my transgressions. That's what he said in verse number one. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness and according to thy multitudes of tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. The word blot carries the idea from the paper that they used to use. They used to use like a, a papyrus type paper. And this papyrus type of paper, it carries the idea that if you uh, took some water and rubbed against it, it would actually erase what was written there. So you could write over it. So the idea of blot here carries the idea of a race. You know what God does when you go to him and get right with him? He erases your sin. He erases it. That's one of the great things about God. That God says that he takes our sin as far as the east is from the west. We know that if you look at a globe, east never touches the west. He cast it that far. It's infinity far. He says he buries he buries our sins in the depths of the sea. Even today, we don't even have submarines that are able to withstand the pressure of going to the very bottom of the ocean. It's all buried. It's set far away. That God even has a divine forgetter. That if you confess your sin and you go back and say, God, you remember when I did this? He says, you did what? Because it is blotted. It is erased. It is gone, 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 gone. Yes, my sins are gone. Isn't that a wonderful God? He's able to blot it out. Notice as he continues on, wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity. He's saying, wash me. I'm dirty. I'm stained. That's one of the great verses of the Bible, 1 John 1, 9. That if you confess your sin, he is faithful and just to forgive your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. He's able to wash the stain away. It's almost like, um, a child, let's say that they have their Sunday morning clothes on. They're looking nice. And then they find a mud puddle. And for some reason, kids are attracted to mud puddles. And they go head first. Now there's mud in their hair, their face, their clothes. I, you've never had a child that's done that, right? And it's all over. Well, what you do is you don't say, well, I forgive you. And then send them to church that way. You cleanse them. You take off the muddy clothes. You wash their face. Wash their hair. You cleanse them. And then put on new clothes. That's what God does for us. He doesn't just pat us on the head and say you're good. He also cleanses us. From the sin stain that was on us. Isn't that a wonderful God? Notice again, have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according to the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my sins, wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. He said, I want to be clean again. 
Oh, there was nothing like confessing your sins and getting right with God. There's nothing like that feeling of being clean. Have you ever felt dirty and took a shower and felt better instantly? Well, most of us need a spiritual shower. We need washed clean spiritually. <clears throat> and it is an amazing thing to be thoroughly right with God. And you can be. <clears throat> so as we see this story of David's soul, we see him talking about his Savior. Then we talk about his sin. But there's one last thing here, and that is his sorrow. That it is his sorrow. And remember for this sad occasion for writing. And David is saying, my sin is ever before me. Verse number three. For I acknowledge my transgressions in my sin is ever before me. He's haunted by the memory that others suffered because of his sin. By the way, we talked about this last week. That because of this, he was rewarded or consequences fourfold. His baby died. His daughter was raped. He had a son that was murdered. And another son that put a rebellion and then was killed at the end of the rebellion. Fourfold. But that's not all the people that suffered. Remember, when we go through this series here in just a couple weeks, I'm going to trace all the consequences of David's sin. And when you look at that, you could see all the people that were affected by your sin. Let me remind you that when you sin, you don't sin in a bubble. All your sin affects other people. Every single one of us, uh, when we sin, we affect others. There's consequences for our sins. And imagine that David couldn't hear a baby cry without thinking about what he did. Think about David never could walk on that rooftop ever again without thinking about that sin and the consequences of sin. There's a guilt that goes with it. And may I now pause to remind you that there is a difference between conviction and guilt. Conviction is what God gives us for the purpose of getting right. Guilt is something that stays with us because of we're not giving it to God. Guilt is something that haunts us and stays with us. But if it's already been dealt with, there should be no reason to keep that guilt with us. But we understand guilt is a real thing. The story of David's soul is that he did not stay in the sorrow. What do I mean by this? Some people can mess up so bad that they can never leave that. They stay camped out in the past. God doesn't give us life to stay in the past. He gives us life to move forward. And that's the wonderful thing is that even though there was consequences in David's life, he got right with God and he didn't have to stay with the consequences, but he was able to go from where he was and move forward. That you don't have to let your past sin haunt you and dominate your life, but you could go from where you are and move forward. There is a way back to God. We have a God who's willing to take us back that if we were just willing to confess our sin, to admit that what we did wrong without excuses or explanations or tirades about why we were justified in doing what we're supposed to do, but just to admit that what I did was wrong and I need to get right with God. He's willing to take us back and forgive us and to cleanse us and to wash us and then after that, we don't have to stay dwelling in our failures. But we could go from where we are and with God's grace, move forward. This is the story <coughs> of David's soul. This is the story, again, remember that David's darkest days 
are now recorded for everyone to read. Aren't you glad that God didn't do that for you? That everyone could read about all your failures. But he's using one of the greatest figures in Hebrew history to show that everyone messed up. Everyone fails, but there is a way back to God. And that's the great hope that we have is that we have a great Savior. Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 Five three zero six three zero eight. Once again, that number is nine two zero five three zero six three zero eight. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.